This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. back on Lauer After Hours. This is Mike Ryan Fan Account, and today I am delighted to bring you Matt Money-Smith. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Mike Ryan Fan Account. I'm uh, stoked to be here on a Friday night. I had just enough time after my uh, commute following the radio show. We had a big summer tour stop today, so I'm still wearing, I don't know if you can see it, my stupid uh, celebratory shirt. I got a, uh, for those watching, I got a nice captain's cap here, and uh, I got a beer in my hands. So let's uh, let's get after it, man. Let's have a Hold good on. time. Huh? It's Can't Friday wait. night. Yeah. Can you, uh, all right, I'm going to screenshot that uh, just for posterity, and there we go. That's beautiful. I like that virtual background. I'm not sure what your, uh, or that is a virtual background, right? That's not your actual. That is not uh, my actual house. That uh, that that oh, background man. is of one of my favorite bars in Los Angeles. It's a spot okay. called the Tiki Tea, which is okay. kind of on your way to Dodger Stadium on Sunset there. And it's, I mean, it is the size. It's smaller than the bedroom, and it's not that I have some sort of giant bedroom that I that I have as a master bedroom right. in my home, but it is this tiny spot, and they have this drink called the Toro. It's actually called the Blood and Sand, and anytime you order it, uh, everybody in the bar is alerted that someone has ordered the blood and sand and they start screaming Toro Toro and you're like you just can't help yourself you pound it and then you find out it's like 30% alcohol oh, and Jesus. it's a disaster the rest of the night oh, so man. one of my favorite well, I mean, spots with an ominous name like the blood and sand I would right. hope it's uh it's it's got some kick to it um well just to intro you real quick uh we are thrilled that you are joining us you were the co-host of the Petros and Money show uh, you're a play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Chargers, and you're also a host on the NFL Network. Um, a lot of people know you. Real quick, do you go by Matt or do you go by money more often? Um, oh, boy. probably It's probably 50-50. Okay. I think uh, people that have – I mean, it, my, I've had this stupid nickname. It was given to me on a morning show <laughs> in Los Angeles when I was 20, 20 years old. So okay. uh, now I'm a middle-aged man with a dumb nickname uh, because it's been my, my name in L.A. for 27 years, so uh, 26 years. So here we are. 
I was going to I was going to ask you where the name came from. Do you remember the exact origin? You said you got it in radio, but it's kind of cool. I don't know for the business that you're in. Uh, it, Thanks. It, it, in my opinion, it uh, it like if if I meet a guy whose nickname is Money, I'm going to listen to every bit of advice he's got. Oh, on, right on. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like it instills confidence in the listener. I think. Yeah, I wish I had a, a great story. It's a pretty cool story, I guess. Um, you know, Morning Zoo, alternative rock station, K-Rock in Los Angeles, and uh, the show is called Kevin and Bean, was was on, actually, sadly, just came to an end after 30 years. But right. um, they, I think they just thought I was rich or something because I went to Pepperdine, which could not be further <laughs> from the truth. I was scraping by, eating ramen, on scholarship, financial right. aid for the rest. Um, but it was a great morning show. It was Kevin, Bean, and at the time, uh, Jimmy Kimmel was the sports guy and okay. Adam Carolla was writing comedy. So I had an opportunity to hang out with those guys for about three, four years. Um, and it was a heck of a lot of fun. Right on, right on. All right. Well, we are going to roll right into the questions. Uh, Mr. Money Smith, I'm just gonna, I'm going to combine those two. Like it has a hyphen, uh, between sure. those two names. Uh, I, I dig that. All right, we're going to move it along here. We're up next. We've got uh, Steve. Steve's got a, uh, a question about broadcasting, I believe. Steve, go ahead. Okay. How you doing, Matt? I'm great. Thanks, Steve. Good. So one of the uh, the better moments in Levitard Show history was Vince Scully coming on the air and telling a story early 50s where uh, embarrassing moment for himself where he tried to say hot shot hit foul, foul and it did not quite go well for him. So I just don't know with, with your broadcasting background, if you have any similar scenarios or uh, nervous moments on air where something like that happened. Yeah, I think probably the most nervous moment. And thankfully, um, it, it worked out for me. But I was fortunate to broadcast Antonio Gates, um, you know, record breaking touchdown reception where he passed Tony Gonzalez for the most touchdown receptions um, by a tight end in NFL history. And, and I was freaked out about it the entire season. And I think it came in like week two or th maybe three or four. But the, the big concern for me was not knowing it was him, you know, because you're in sometimes what depending on what booth you're in, you're far, you can't really see. Uh, maybe you don't have a good spotter that that kind of knows what's going on. And, and all of a sudden I call, you know, whatever. Uh, the, I think it's Mike Williams or it's Keenan Allen when it's really Antonio Gates and I crap all over. Thankfully, it worked out that I that I got it right. I saw it was Antonio. It was at home. So we were in that little stadium of 25,000 people. So that worked out great for me. That's the most nervous I've been. I think probably um, in terms of slip ups, for whatever reason, the word rivalry has always been hard for me to say, let alone rivalry week. And I think I was doing a, a civil war between Oregon and Oregon State. They have since decided to change the name of that rivalry. But I must have said rivalry week here in Corvallis 10 different ways throughout the course of the broadcast to the point that I think they got like a couple emails to, uh, to the syndicator that was employed by me uh, that I could not say. I think I kept saying like, why will we, why will we leak or something like that? It just, and it was, you would think you just cut your losses, just call it the civil war. It's Oregon, Oregon state. And it was a really good game. It was like, uh, I think it, I can't remember. I don't think Mannion was there. It was the court. It might've been Anderson who was there for Oregon state and Masoli for Oregon, but it was a really good game too, which makes it even worse that, um, that I was crapping all over it, trying to pronounce those two words. And it just did not, did not work well. I appreciate it. Stu got so strong yeah. in you. <laughs> I can imagine, uh, turning into oh, yeah. over FUD trying to, uh, to pronounce that. 
uh, over and over again. All right, up next, we've got uh, Yeti. I believe Yeti has a, a question about your time at K-Rock. Go okay. ahead, Yeti. Yeah, hey, man, I want to dive into the music side of things a little bit. Love sports, but uh, but music is is the bigger of the two passions. But um, so I was I was curious, in you spent, what, 10 years at K-Rock or 11 um, let's see. I got there in 1993 and I left in 2005. So yeah, 12 years I was there. Okay, cool. So you went through at my age, my, when I was coming of age in, into really good music through the terrible early 2000s and then through rock and roll's redemption through the indie rock scene of the mid. So well put. Yeah. Um, so I, I was curious it, out of all the, the acts that you had exposure to and worked with, what was, an act that maybe was nationally known had some notoriety, but what you would, that you would consider as the most underrated. Um, maybe they were a one-hit wonder. Or maybe they didn't. They they're on the cusp, but didn't quite get put through to where right. they could really succeed. So you know, so I had a couple different. Um, I had a couple different jobs in the music business. So I was the music director at K Rock for a few years. I worked in the music department for quite some time. Um, but prior to K Rock, I worked in the record business. So I worked for Polygram. Um, for a few years, that's actually was that was my first job in the music business was um, uh, a label called London, which also underneath its umbrella had a punk rock label called Slash and a um, a couple digital labels, one FFRR and another one called Mowax. Um, so there were a ton of ton of artists that I worked with there, and then after that, I went to DreamWorks. When DreamWorks was founded, I was one of their first employees. So I think. Probably more than than even the ones on care. I guess I'll, I'll kind of give oh, you yeah, a few yeah, that's answers fine, here, that's Yeti, since you like music. So when I was at at London slash Moax, um, you know, to me, when you talk about hip hop artists, so often I think we think about um, rappers, you know, or people that that rhyme, or you know, we don't really give the DJs enough attention and how important beats are and and samples are to making a song great. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find um, anyone better, or at least he's in the conversation with with some of the greats than DJ Shadow. So I, I worked with DJ Shadow at, at Moax, and I think introducing is not cited enough as one of the all time great hip hop records. So that that'd be from my time um, at at London Moax slash, and then my time at DreamWorks. Yeah, it's it's not even close. It's Elliot Smith, and and I had a chance to work with Elliot and, and go on tour with him and, and spend a lot of time with him on his XO record. And it really is kind of one of my great, um, one of my great, I don't want to say regrets, but just, uh, failures. I mean, that's probably the best way to put it, that, that we couldn't figure out a way to make Elliot Smith a giant star. Um, and, uh, it was just bad timing. I mean, you talked about kind of the, the timeline of music and what it was while, while you were coming of age and growing up before the indie rock broke through in like Oh three, Oh four, really like Oh four is when it really broke through started in late Oh three, but Oh four is when it kind of came strong. Um, and, and Elliot, you know, we were trying to get him played when, you know, my other records at the same time were, were Papa Roach and power man 5,000 and everybody wanted to play those and no one wanted to play Elliot. So, um, for people that don't know, um, Go out and get Elliott Smith records. Get get either or. Get Roman Candle. Get XO. Uh, those are those are as great as as anything you'll ever listen to. And, and I think probably from my time at K Rock, it 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 
it, and it, it's all the same sort of stuff, right? I'm kind of giving you super cool music as opposed to, to popular mainstream stuff that you, broke you're, through. You're but, speaking my language, so. Okay, yeah, but it, it'd be the shins. <laughs> I, I think are, you know, probably for me, like my band of, of all contemporaries of that era of 2000 to like 2000, let's say 2010, that 10-year that span, uh, I just I love James Mercer. I love I love that band and just and think they're brilliant. So those are those would probably be my big three. Cool. Yeah, I fought the shins so hard. I was in this weird snobby phase, and they were another the band, you know, to me in the uh-huh. beginning. And then, um, but then Shoots Too Narrow came out, That's and there's the that one song. I can't remember the the name of the song, but it's, uh, where it says, "I found a fatal flaw in the logic of love." I heard that and I was like, I can't deny it. That they I, I can't I can't fight them anymore. Flaw. Yeah, is that um, yeah. that's not Young Pilgrims? That is uh, ah, that is a great song. It might be. I'm bad. I'm uh, bad anyway, with song names. I can, yeah, I can sing whole them all day, but I'm bad with the names. Um, quick Elliot Smith thing, real fast. Um, Ben yeah. Folds references him being playing being dirty at basketball. Um, did you witness any on court antics of his? <laughs> I did not. That's got to be some kind of inside joke because Elliot, um, you know, Elliot knew that I was doing sport. I did sports at K-Rock that whole time. So after Jimmy left, I became their sports guy in, in 95. So, and he would always kind of joke with me about, you know, what, what, why are you so into sports? What is it about sports to get you all worked up, man? Cause I would wake up and get the page and he'd see me reading the sports page at the hotel before we get in the van and start driving. So um, I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I do not know. I will tell you though. Um, one of my favorite moments with Elliot, we were in, boy, where were we? We might've been in DC. We were on the Eastern seaboard. So it was either like DC, I think we were in DC or Maryland or somewhere around there. And it was like nine in the morning and we were driving by a liquor store and he's like, okay, pull in there. And he walked in and he came out with a six or a Mickey's, Mickey's white mouse. I was like, perfect. Let's get after this uh, and start our day the right way. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> you got it. All right. Uh, that was uh, Gone for Good, by the way. That song by the there you go. Shins. Yep. I looked it up while you guys were chatting. All right. We're going to keep it moving here. Uh, up next, we've got Stupak from Detroit. Stupak, go ahead, my man. What up, dog, bro? You good? All good. Thank you, Stupak. No doubt. No doubt. I had a Patriots question. Uh, what weapons you think Cam Newton could unlock that wasn't utilized with Brady? And do you think that uh, Bill Belichick is still any other weapons before during the season, i.e. Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, I think that's a, you know, the the Antonio Brown's a great question just because he clearly was comfortable bringing him in before, um, you know, before the suspension ended up getting him out of there. And, and you listen to how Brady speaks uh, about him and how badly he'd like to have him in Tampa. That, that That's certainly, I, I think, a, a possibility. Now that we know it's eight games that the suspension's been handed down and, and teams know what they're dealing with, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. I, to me, the, the most interesting thing uh, about the Patriots this season is, you know, the idea that Cam is a one-year rental and everyone's talking about, oh, is he washed up? Does he have anything left? And, you know, you probably got to treat Cam differently than they did when he won the MVP in 2015. Well, for those, you know, for for Belichick and Josh McDaniels and the Patriots, they don't care. There, there is no long-term investment. There is, you know, that they don't owe him anything. He's trying to prove that he's worthy of a long-term extension to get back to the, you know, the $30 million club. So I, I suspect they're going to deploy him 
um, with a lot of physicality and, and a lot of runs and, and that body, I would expect to, to be taking a lot of punishment. So I think the D de- I, I just think the offense is going to look completely different than anything Brady was dealing with and, and limited weapons. And, you know, how much better is Nikhil Harry or Muhammad Sanu or Julian Edelman, uh, going to be with him. You know, I got to see Devin Asiasi out here. He's an extremely talented tight end as far as pass catching goes, uh, the rookie that they drafted. And I think there's a reason why they drafted two tight ends, but, um, for me, kind of the most interesting thing is going to be to see if if they aren't hesitant to deploy um, good luck bringing down a six foot six, two hundred and forty pound quarterback um, when you got to account for him man for man uh, on defense. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. And if he's right and if the body holds up, then then I wouldn't doubt for a second the Patriots are, are going to be, again, celebrated as geniuses for for doing something that no one else was willing to take a shot on. I can definitely see a five-year, $100 million deal with incentives to Cam in the future for the Patriots, and they have another quarterback just on a low income, and that they can build around. Yeah, I think, you know, again, it'll it'll come down to whether or not it holds up. I mean, you know, I, I think one thing that I that I learned in, in when I started working um, for the Chargers as opposed to just flying in and doing a game of the week, which is what I was doing before – you get to see what guys look like after the game. And I get to see what an NFL football game, the toll that it takes on on a body of someone who is is built like normal people. You know, they're not built like normal people. I mean, NFL players are their wrists are thicker, their their shoulders are broader. I mean, they they are built differently for the most part, and yet they're sitting on the plane looking like they just got beat to hell with with two by fours for four hours. And um I think when you ask someone to to take that kind of punishment, um, it I mean, it, there's a reason why they hate Thursday night. There's a reason why they didn't want that 17th game, and <laughs> and I think that'll be the big question about that 100 million dollar deal. You know that, like you, you mentioned, is do they envision him being able to hold up if that's what he's best at? You know, in that long term deal. And and look, I, he's one of the most entertaining players I've ever watched. So I, I'm certainly pulling for it to to be the case and, and for Cam to get back to being Pete Cam, that's for sure. They are built different, but yet our guests got run over by one and uh, <laughs> popped up like it wasn't anything. <laughs> Thank you, Stupak, for the question. All right, we're going out to uh, Barrett in Duval. I believe he's got an NFL question as well. Go ahead, Barrett. Yeah, so, Matt, I'm a huge Jags fan. Okay. And there's only one other team that understands all this nonsense about going to London and always hearing the narrative about a team needs to go to London. Can you please explain as to why that is not going to work just to send one team out to London? Yeah, I just well, I'll tell you, it, it's kind of a boring answer, Barrett, but the the best way it was described to me is is the most sincere way. And it's taxes that that players would probably be forced to pay two sets of taxes on their income that London would not allow players to go there without being taxed um, somehow, some way by that city and the states and by that country obviously would want to tax the players as well. And those two things are just incongruous and can never happen. So that's the financial side of it was to why it would never happen. You know, B players aren't going to want to live in London for 16 weeks or for 20 weeks or for 25 weeks. So you're not going to be able to sign free agents. And on top of all that, when you go to London and it is an awesome place to watch a football game, I highly, highly recommend it for anybody that has thought about it. Um, 
that place, you know, we did it at Wembley. I know they're doing it at Tottenham now, but it's sold out. Um, of the 80,000 people that were there, about 30,000 of them were Chargers fans. Uh, about 15,000 of them were Titans fans. And the rest were every jersey in football. And they all scream the whole time, and they're jumping around and partying. And I'm out in London the couple nights before because we spent four days there. And there's, there's NFL bars. I, I had to go to all these different kind of meet and greet parties where there are three, 4,000 NFL fans there. Um, so it's certainly a viable NFL market. Um, and I think what you'll probably see moving forward, um, as long as we get out of you know this pandemic mess that we're in right now, I think you'll probably see that's, that that's to me my, I think that's why we have the 17th game is you're going to probably see 10, uh, you know, eight to 10 games in London, maybe three or four other games in, let's say, Germany um, and other European markets. I think Germany is certainly one that's viable. We saw that with Frankfurt and the Rhine Fire when NFL Europe was over there. Those were some of their most successful markets. I think you'll see Mexico, um, Canada could be in there. So I think that 17th game is going to be international um, because of the great success that they've had. And, you know, I just went to Mexico City last year. Yeah, Mexico, and got that's to what see, I was going to say. That's huge. Yeah. So and it was huge. It was sold out as well. Estadio Azteca was ninety thousand people. The city was alive wow. with NFL fans. So I think that's that's more likely than the the Jags leaving Jacksonville to move to London. Um, and and I think you know the one thing that Shad Khan wants though is he wants ownership of that market because he knows how viable and how lucrative it is. So of those ten games, it would not surprise me if he still wanted multiple games over there. Uh, as home games so they could stay as the anchor franchise for yeah that's why he uh, immediately one of the first things he did was sign that contract to go and play the games out there matt by no means was your answer boring i have never heard that about the taxes before so thank you and uh thank you for keeping up our pod's reputation for having the hottest guests around i'm gonna hang up and (laughs) listen now (laughs) yeah that's me. It's the shirt. That's what it is. It's this sweet deep V that you're speaking to. <laughs> it's the entire package, my man. And the, oh, the yeah. nickname, the nickname helps too. Again, it's all it's, it's that confidence, baby. All right. Up next, we've got Mike Ryan fan account. Uh, he's got some Chargers talk for you. Go ahead. Okay. Can you hear me? I got you. I'm gonna put my hat on for this one. <laughs> my USB. My USB fell out. Sorry. Uh, stinking USB. Yeah. All right, so what are your thoughts uh, on the bad reputation that Chargers fans get? Well, you know, it's uh, there's a couple things, right? So when I was doing um, just regular game of the week stuff and I was doing a handful of Charger games in San Diego, it had kind of already started by the time I was down there. I did a Giants game uh, that was probably 70% Giants fans. Um, I believe I did a... Packers game down there and you can imagine what that looked like so I think the waning of the fan base had already started before they came here um, as far as what it's like here it's it's a long play you know it is not the Chargers moved here and they've got 80,000 fans ready to pack a stadium uh, I think their idea is build for the long term and you know it's funny I've had this I've had this long ongoing argument with people and and you know I'm like Asam here, I'm from Chicago. I was born, uh, uh, you know, and wrapped in a in a bear's blanket out the mom's womb. So uh, I was raised a diehard, dedicated bear fan. Uh, when my wife told me she wanted to name our first daughter Peyton, I immediately got this huge grin on my face. I was like, yeah, that works for me too. So um, <laughs> that's kind of where I came from. And then I've spent so much time here that 
you know, I, my, my kids and, and Grant, look, I work in sports, so we're on the Dodger station. So I get access to Dodger games that other people don't. My kids can, you know, every now and then I can take them on the field for batting practice. The players know me. So when they see me, they engage. So my kids became big Dodger fans. And, and so I kind of learned this lesson of, well, like the bears and the Cubs, like the Cubs was for my grandma and me, the bears was for my dad and my mom and me. And that doesn't mean it's for me and my daughters, you know, like, for, for that, the Dodgers are our team, and that's the game I can take them to, and the Lakers are our team. So it just made no sense for me to stay connected to the Chicago teams because it's 2,000 miles away when Dodger Stadium is 25 miles from my house, as is right. Staples Center, and same with the Chargers game. So I think that's kind of what the Chargers are hoping, that even though all these adults, and for whatever reason, we're more reluctant to let go of our NFL ties than any other teams – um, you know, you've got a ton of people living here in Los Angeles that, and we've got bars all over the place. You know, we've got Patriot bars and Giants bars and Eagles bars and, and, and they won't let go of those ties. So I think what the Chargers and Rams are trying to get are the kids and, and hope that the kids, you know, kind of connect with, with Joey Bosa, with Justin Herbert, with Austin Eckler, with Hunter Henry and, and those sort of players and Derwin James. And that's, you know, it's not something that's going to happen in the next three to four years. It's something that's going to happen in the next eight to 10 years as they come of age. Um, so I, I, I don't think they would push back on that at all in the disappointment. And, and I just think quickly to, to kind of wrap it up. Um, the, the stadium was awesome. I, like I tried to tell everyone I knew around the country, like, hey, come out here and see a game because you will never see anything like it again, ever in the NFL. And it's not just being so close no matter what seat you're in but you could hear things in that game that you can't hear at another NFL stadium just because the white noise right. of the stadium drowns it out but legitimately you could hear conversations between wide receiver coaches and wide receivers on the sideline between players and referees on the field because there were so few people there and so I think that led to a lot uh, it, it basically just led to a giant premium on tickets your average ticket price was over 200 bucks so it kind of prevented it from being affordable because visiting fans were willing to pay whatever it took to see the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and all right, of those right. teams that they had grown up rooting for in this super cool, unique environment that they were never going to be able to see it again. All right. Uh, up next, we've got more, our, excuse me, our foreign correspondent, uh, Morgan from Australia. Morgan, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm great. Oh, that's good. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the NFC South and what your predictions would be there. Okay. Before I do that, though, I'm going to share a story about um, one, of the, one of the folks we had working for us at the Chargers who was from Australia. And I, uh, you know, you're on the road and whatever, you got a lot of downtime before the games. And she, I love the Australian accent. And I would always try to do it and say crocky and things like that. And she said, listen, you want to really <laughs> sound Australian? I'd be like, okay, what do I have to do? She said, it's very simple. You don't even have to put on the accent. I just want you to say these three words regularly, uh, just like you would in normal conversation. And she said, my bull fine. And so I then had to say them quickly, mobile fine. And she said, that's how we say mobile phone, mobile fine. <laughs> and then she said, here's another three, bad. not bad. right? Rise up lights. So then I say, rise up lights. And she said, that's how we say razor blades. <laughs> and now you sound like an Australian. So there you go. Everybody can have some fun with that. Rise up lights. 
<laughs> to your question, uh, the NFC South, I think with the, along with the AFC West, I think it's the most stacked division in the NFL this year. I, I think, um, and, and I think very similar to the AFC West, the Saints are the class of it, but you could make a compelling case on either side of the ball or a particular position group that you feel pretty, and, and obviously I'll take the Panthers um, out of it there. Although, you know, as someone who loves college football and, and has had an opportunity to, to kind of get to know Matt Rule a little bit over the years, he is an unbelievable coach. And I believe he is going to have tremendous success for people that don't follow college football. What he inherited at Baylor and what he created is remarkable. Um, so I suspect the Panthers are going to be back a lot sooner than a lot of people think. So you start there with, with great coaching. The Falcons obviously closed strong, and, and that to me was a sign that the players really liked Dan Quinn a lot, and I think Dan Quinn is widely respected as a great defensive coach. Um, I think Matt Ryan's in the elite quarterback conversation, uh, obviously with all the weapons they have there. Uh, the offensive line has kind of let them down a, a little bit. You know, it's, it's probably been their one Achilles heel. They drafted, you know, a couple guys last year in the draft, not this past draft, but the year prior that just did not work out. So um, I mentioned them, you know, as the third place team, but I think that's still a potential 9-10 win team if things break right health-wise. Um, and then you get to the Bucks, and, and obviously if, if the offensive line is right and, and it works out where they drafted right, and the free agents pan out and some of the younger guys that they're trying to develop work out, then you look at the weapons and they're as good as any team in the league when it comes to pass catchers. A little bit, you know, still a little bit of, of a question mark there at running back, but defensively they've got players at every level of the defense as well. So, and then on top of that, you know, you just have arguably the best roster uh, in the league in terms of the saints. When you talk about both lines, uh, secondary pass catchers running back. Um, so I, I, you know, how does it play out? I still think the saints, I, I had the saints to, you know, I'd pick the saints to, to rep the NFC in the super bowl last year. And then obviously it got away from them um, in the, in the divisional round. But I, I think it's probably the most talented team top to bottom in the NFC uh, and, and maybe just behind the chiefs overall. Okay. Right. I, I I think I agree, but I you would do? put Carolina. Can you hear me? I put Carolina yeah. above um, Atlanta because I like Joe Brady as well. So I like um, Joe Brady, Matt Rule. Um, yeah, I mean, you see, you know, with but Joe I don't, Brady. I don't know if I don't know if Teddy's the quarterback for that kind of what Joe Brady would like to do offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you saw with with Brady and what he was able to do with with Burrow at, at LSU, I mean, certainly, here's my one concern, right? It was impressive, and it was impressive what they did together. I mean, obviously, you know, Joe Burrow had the greatest individual season at a quarterback position in the history of college football, so you can't crap on that. My only concern is you have – and one thing Matt Rule did was he just brought a lot of college coaches with him, and the NFL is different. It, it just is. It's a different game, um, and is is – highly regarded as they are as as much respect as I have for them. Um, I think when you have a staff that is comprised primarily of college coaches, it just seems like there might be a little bit of a learning curve there. Um, so that's kind of where I, I sort of pump the brakes a little bit on, on the Panthers. And also I think there's a lot of turnover there. I, I think clearly 
you know, they moved on from a lot of players, got younger, um, and, and are probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the, the Seattle um, sort of model where when, when Pete Carroll and John Schneider took over, you saw just a ton of turnover. Um, you know, I mean, I'm talking hundreds. It was like 200 transactions in their first three years. So I think you may see that in Carolina as well, and it's more of like a, a three-year sort of plan as opposed to and, – and I also – I also think there's a potential there for for kind of if it gets away from them quickly, where they start thinking Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields, and and that's how you kind of accelerate that that process by by drafting one of the top two quarterbacks in in college football in the 2021 draft. Okay, well, I'll like to hope that Atlanta finish last. Okay. That's good. We all need that. We look. We need to love a team. We need to hate a team too. That's important. That's right. That's what makes the world go around. You Thank you very it. much. All right. Uh, Matt, lights. <laughs> everybody's Bible just going to be, everybody's just going to be like saying that internally the themselves the rest of the time. Bible it's fantastic. Rise it's mobile phone. It's mobile phone. <laughs> all right. All right. Before this goes off the rails too much, Matt, just to let you know, we're, I think we just hit like the 45 minute mark. You tell us okay. if you've got to leave. Um, no, we, we are on your schedule. Uh, I'll tighten it up. I'm I'm getting a little long winded. No, 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 not hey, we love it. We love it. We just don't want you to be stuck with us forever teaching us uh Australian lessons and <laughs> uh and whatnot. <laughs> but thank you. Uh all right. Up next, we are gonna go out to Aaron from Memphis. Go ahead, Aaron. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, good, good, good deal. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Uh-oh. I just had a dinosaur frog hop over my foot. Um Call the police. Was it a real frog? Yes, it was a real frog. Call the police right now, Aaron. I'm, I'm currently more skittish than a cat in a rocking chair. So hold on. All right. So my I, my question is, it's kind of double. It's it, it's double, but I'm going to make it tight for you. So okay. All right. I'm a Titans fan. So I need you to tell me if you could pick three players off the Titans. I mean, obviously, regardless of salary cap and stuff like that, there's three players the Titans have that you think would be would be great additions to the Chargers. And also, so another individual on this podcast is a Chargers fan, and he informed me last night of his, uh, his uh, hatred towards Eli Manning. And – I think it worked out best for the Chargers and Eli because they got Phillip and Eli got, you know, put in a good situation. So I want your opinion on that too. So okay. first one's easy. Um, super easy. I, I thought of them as soon as you, I, I, I had assumed you were going the Chargers direction. So first one is Jeffrey Simmons, just a game wrecker from the interior of the line. And, and when we played, when the Chargers played him last year, it was his first game back. And in his first game, he wrecked the Chargers. Uh, second will be Taylor Lewan because left tackle is a premium position in the NFL. And even though there's a little bit of the penalties that, that go along with it, and certainly you got to embrace the personality. I absolutely love it. He's one of my favorite players, uh, favorite personalities in the league. So I'd love to get that salt uh, on the offensive line and get a left tackle to, to anchor that group. And then third would be Bayard because I think if you paired him with Derwin James, holy hell, the, the safety combo that you would have, um, would just be ridiculous. So it, it'd be those three. And um, the second part of the question is, yeah, I, I think, you know, just because I was fortunate to get to know Philip 
over the three years that I worked for the Chargers. I, I almost wish that he would have been able to go to the Giants and, and get those breaks that Eli had because I think they probably would have won uh, those Super Bowls and then some. That's how highly I think of him. Um, so I think, look, it, it clearly worked out. I think Phillip's probably going to the Hall of Fame. I'd be really surprised if he didn't. Um, I, I obviously wish him the best in Indianapolis at, at all costs, as long as it doesn't come in at the expense of the Chargers. But behind that offensive line, um, the fact that they got the Forrest Buckner and, and are in, I think, a, a, a division that's that's up for grabs, uh, any of those three teams. Um, sorry, Barrett, I don't know if you're still around in, in terms of, the, you know, with the Jags out of there. But I think Titans, you know, Texans and, and Colts, you can make a case for any of them. But um but yeah, I think I think you I think you said it right, Aaron. I think it worked out best for for both players, and, and Phillips certainly was the identity of that team for for not just one but but two cities, and and obviously Eli was you know was as important to those playoff runs uh, as anyone for for the Giants. But, but Eli still sucks. Jeffrey, get out of here. <laughs> I will uh, I will let you say that. Jeffrey, it's it's it, Eli's a tough one. Yeah, you no know? regular we're season, the numbers trouble. aren't there, but the playoffs you can't argue with. You know, it's really it's really weird. All right, up next we've got uh, Drake, aka Cody Cavalry. Uh, he has a uh, well, he's got a matchup question, I believe. Go ahead. Okay. What's going on, brother? Hey, Drake. So I have a uh, little battle royale question for you. Okay. Out of the mascots. Um, from the NFL, who would win out of the Raiders, the Buccaneers, and the Vikings? All right, Raiders, Buck. Okay, so I'll I'll start with this. Um, see, the Raider compared to the Buccaneer, the Buccaneer is maybe more of a swashbuckler, so they're going to be more skilled with the sword play. Um, but the Raider is just more brute force. You know, the idea of, of raping and pillaging and, and burning a city to the, you know, raising a city to the ground on your way out. Um, I think that leads you to think that, that unless the technical skills of the Buccaneer is, is able to take advantage of, of the Raider, they're probably not going to be able to hold the Raider off with brute force. So I'm going to say it starts with those two. Um, and the Raider ends up taking out the Buccaneer. <laughs> now, on top of that, um, I think it's, it's interesting because the Vikings don't get nearly the negative press that the Pirates do. You know, sure. people are saying, why, why are we celebrating Pirates? They were terrible people. I mean, my God, they were, again, <laughs> raping, pillaging, murdering um, band of folks. And you've got rides at Disney World and, and funny movies in the Disney family, um, and we celebrate them. But the Vikings were very similar. Um, and I think because, uh, look, the open sea, she's a bitch, um, no matter you're, if you're a Viking or a Raider or a Buccaneer. I mean, it is, it is something that is nasty to navigate. So I'm not trying to take away from any of those groups. But if you look at the build of the Scandinavian area, you know, just their body type and, and the Norse, you know, the idea that, I mean, look, the days of the week, right? We're named after Norse gods. It's just kind of weird to think. We think of Thor as Hemsworth. Um, as opposed right, right. to, I know exactly. Morgan's getting all excited over there because we talked about it in Australia. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but uh, the days of the week, right? They're named after the Norse gods. Thor is Thursday. It's why we call it Thursday, for God's yep. sake. So, yep. um, I would I would take the Vikings just because they 
they are phys- a more physically imposing bunch than the Pirates, the Raiders, or the or the Buccaneers. So I'm going to go Vikings. Vikings win, or Vikings gold, Raiders silver, Buccaneer bronze. Hey, um, Breaking and pillaging little... is – oh, sorry. Go if ahead, Morgan. pillaging counts, then the Dolphins can be included because they do also rape and pillage <laughs> in groups. But you know what? But they lost their helmet, Morgan, so they don't have their protection that they used to. The Miami Dolphins <laughs> – used to have a helmet on and it could protect it when it got into battle now that that dome that soft dome and look you know what do they tell you if you're out in the ocean i live on a beach so they always say don't you dare touch those dolphins if they get close to you because you'll get them sick they'll get some sort of disease from your human touch the next thing you know the whole population of them's dead so you know you got that to consider as well i think you were just making a statement that they rape and pillage as opposed to putting them into this mascot battle because then when that happens uh, where did my guy go? Uh, I think he may have left, Aaron, because nobody's touching the Titan, right? Because the Titan's a god. So yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's over. Like, like, that's it. It's it's Titan, and then everybody else. Like here's here's the Titan, and everybody else is way down here because you're not going to touch that. Sorry, Drake. Drake did you, that was probably did you too much. A, did you have a follow up? No, no, no. I'm good. Uh, thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Back you to you, Crispy. All right. All right. Up next, we have uh, Jeff. He's got a another Chargers slash Rams question, I believe. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Hey. It's Jeff. Going great. Thanks, Jeff. So uh, before I get to my question, I got to I got to throw you a couple. Uh, well, I'm the only uh, West Coaster. I'm the only California guy. Okay. I grew up listening to K-Rock okay. every single day on the way to work or on the way to school, rather, and back from school, your lovely, handsome, and articulate co-host called the basketball games for USC when I was there. And so I have a particular connection to all this, so it's really fun for me. That being said, I might be a 710 guy, so don't hold it against me. Um, I will. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, So in addition to all that, I – I, I, you know, the joke is that, you know, there's probably single digits Chargers fans left. I, I, I'm one of them. So um, my question is this, because, and let's, let's pretend this is in a world where COVID isn't screwing up everything. Right. Um, Chargers and Rams both moving into the new stadium this season and beautiful new stadium. Um, and I think there's a distinct possibility that the Chargers are, in fact, better than the Rams this year. I think so, too. So, it, considering how fickle that our uh, California fandom is, do you really think that it couldn't flip? There could be a bunch of Chargers fans all of a sudden. Well, you know, that's something that I had, had said repeatedly. And, and I think, I don't know if it, I don't want to say it like, it didn't get me in trouble. I mean, the Chargers have been great, and they they understand I have a job on a talk show every day to fill four hours, and they're respectful for you know of of the fact that I need to do that. And and I think you know as long as you're not malicious uh, to a team in, in which you are under their employ, they're they're fine with it. So one of the things that I've said repeatedly is both teams are are in a fight, and both teams are, have a struggle um, because it is a Laker Dodger town, and it's not even close. I mean, the the Dodgers and Lakers take up probably 90% of the fandom of 90% of the fans here, you know, and, and then maybe they're USC fans or maybe they're UCLA fans. Either they went to school there or someone in their family went to school there. And I think that's kind of the next tier 
Then I think once you get below that, you've got people in Orange County that maybe don't like the Dodgers, so they like the Angels. There's a handful of those. And you've got, just for whatever reason, the contrarians who don't like the Lakers and like the Clippers. Um, so I think in terms of the Rams and the Chargers, to me, that's a wide-open race. Like, by no means are the Rams the football team of Los Angeles. I think they're they're struggling just as much as, as the Chargers are. Um, I think the one thing they had to their advantage was, A, they were here first. So fans that wanted to root for a team that was based in Los Angeles immediately connected with them. Those that were willing to just say, all right, whatever team comes here, I'm going to be a fan of them. Uh, and two, the ones that never let them go. I have friends that were Ram fans uh, and still followed them in St. Louis and still cheered for them in St. Louis, which was weird, but they did. So I think they still had a, a group. So I think they have an advantage over the Chargers at the same time. I think if the Chargers played in the Coliseum and the Rams played at uh, what is now known as Dignity Health Sports Park, I think it would have looked very similar. I, I think the Rams would have been overwhelmed with visiting fans, and I think the Chargers would have had uh, a population that looked a lot like what the Rams had at the Coliseum, which is usually mostly Rams fans. But when you had charter teams come to town, like the 49ers, like the Packers, like the Saints, it was overwhelmingly Packers, Saints, 49er fans um, whenever they played those teams. So uh, I, I totally think, and I, and I think it kind of goes back to to what I had mentioned. I can't remember if it was Steve that asked me the question or who it was, but they, you know, when I said it's a long term play, it's 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 not, you know, it's not about the first five years; it's about the next fifteen. So I, I think, kind of to your point, Jeff, as a Charger fan, when you look at the under twenty five in the salary cap situation. And you're talking about Derwin James and Joey Bosa and Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry. Um, and I mean, and you talk about that roster, you probably feel a lot better about what the chargers have moving forward, especially, I think we already know that Jared Goff is probably good, but not great. Um, the potential that Jared, you know, that Justin Herbert could be great. I don't know if he will be, but that potential is still there. I don't feel like that potential is there for Goff anymore. I think we kind of know what he is. Um, so if, if Herbert turns into a star on the offensive side of the ball, um, you've already got two legitimate, not stars, but superstars on the defensive side of the ball in Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Um, I mean, Bosa is going to be in the conversation as the best defensive player in the league. And Derwin James is going to be in the conversation as the best safety in the league for the next five years. So, um, you know, that's that's going to go a long way to combat Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the Rams side of the ball. So on the Rams side of the, the fence. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's still totally up for grabs. Well, I appreciate uh, the hell. Oh, I appreciate your uh, answer very much, and also the correct uh, bar to go to before Dodgers game is the shortstop. Oh, love the short. My friend uh, Chuck owns the shortstop, as a matter of fact, a guy that I used to work with at Slash Records. Um, I don't know if he still has the waxed mustache, but he was one of the – before mustaches were cool, um, Charles, uh, who also goes by Chuck, used to have the full-on – I mean, it was like out to here. And uh, when the shortstop came up for sale back then, and it still is to some degree a cop bar, but he, uh, I remember him telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this cop bar and I'm going to kind of make it sort of cool and this hip place to go to and bring in DJs and stuff before Dodger games. Um, so yeah, I love, love, love the shortstop in Echo Park. Right on. All right. We're going to keep it moving along here. Next up, we've got John in Miami. Go ahead, John. Hi, Matt. Thanks for the time. You got it. Thank you, John. Just wondering, 
what would be your fantasy football league roster to win um, all leagues? Oh, boy. Well, you know, so much of it is predicated on where you pick, um, what kind of player, what kind of players, not football players, but what kind of fantasy players you have in your league and what their draft tendencies are. Um, I have kind of, so I'll just give you kind of a couple of my philosophies, right? I am, I am all about, I have kind of always deployed math as the, the foundation of my fantasy football team. And that is if I'm picking late in the first round and all of the really good running backs are gone, let's say there's, you know, whatever, three or four elite running backs, whomever you want to decide belongs in that category. If it's Camara and Saquon and, you know, we can, we can go through them, but I won't bore you with all those details. If I'm outside of that, let's say top three or four, and I feel like there's a dramatic drop, then I would rather have a number one wide receiver. Um, if the number one wide receivers and running backs are gone, or let's say the high twos are gone by the time I pick in the second round, I want the number one tight end. Um, if, if when I, you know, if I don't get the, the, if I don't get great, you know, if I don't get Kittle, George Kittle, if I don't get, um, Travis Kelsey, uh, then I'm probably going to, or Zach Ertz, let's say then I'm probably going to wait to draft the tight end way late, but I'm going to try to get one of those guys early. If you're in a league that has to, to start a tight end, um, on top of that, I've also, like last year, I almost won uh, our league because I ended up drafting Pat Mahomes really high, and then I backed him up with Lamar Jackson. Um, so I'm all about taking wow. – exactly. It ended up working out great <laughs> for me. So um, I'm all about, again, with the quarterback position, if I feel like I can get that guy that's going to score boffo points as opposed to just league average, um, that's what I'm going to do. So – you know, for me, what would that look like? Let's say that I'm picking, I don't know, let's say I'm picking like ninth or something instead of taking, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who, who, what would be a good, instead of taking, um, whatever, a second tier running back, I don't know, Aaron Jones or something like that at the back end of the first round. Sorry, coach. Right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Julio Jones, or I'm going to take Odell Beckham. I'm going to take, you know, one of those elite wide receivers. Michael Thomas is, is who I'm going to take there. Um, and then coming back, if let's say that that's where I'll get my running back to. And then on the way back up, when everyone else is drafting wide receivers, I'm going to take George Kittle, uh, or I'm going to take Travis Kelsey there. And then on the way back, I'm going to probably be the guy that ends up taking one of the first two or three quarterbacks. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes or one of those guys. So that's kind of the way I've always built it is just, my first four picks, I want elite players, no matter their position. Wow, that's really good. How many have you won? Uh, let's see. I won the NFL Network Fantasy League three times. Um, I won my my league of record, my punk rock league, which is sad. I've been in it for like 20 years. We used to do it from <laughs> newspapers on Monday and Tuesday morning box scores. I have never won. Um, and I have won my oh, family wow. league. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just an atrocity that I've never <laughs> won that league. Um, and I've won my family league, I believe three, I believe three times. So I got a pretty good, pretty good run in me. Congrats. Well, thank right you. On. well that's, that's why they call you money. Cause you, uh, yeah. you got a pretty good track record. There we go. All right. Uh, by the way, this has been uh, kind of a nightmare. Uh, for me hearing how smooth your voice is I just had septum surgery on Wednesday Wednesday morning so I have like straws shoved all the way up my nose right now yeah it's I I hear how stuffy and ridiculous I sound and then hear hearing how silky and smooth your voice is I uh think of the long play 
Oh, Think man. of the long play, right? Deviated yeah. septum gone and, and yep, smooth yep. sailing when you go to sleep in your future. Fingers the long crossed, play, my friend. My man. Fingers crossed. All right. We're going we're gonna to round things out with uh, Lou Rafter. He's going to finish things up for us. Go ahead, Lou. Okay. Hey, man. Thanks for joining us. This is, it was a really fun, fun night. You got it. Thanks, Lou. Um, one, I love your blue cheese. Blue cheese, chicken wings, always a must. Always. Uh, Elliot Smith, that was a surprise that that got dropped out. That was really cool. Right on. So something that we're trying to do that I think is pretty neat to our unique podcast. If you saw me, I was kind of up and around doing things a whole, but um, what, what I was doing is that I was making you a, a custom money Smith hat that says pretty guy on it for you. It's kind of hard to see. So no, that's fantastic. We got, How cool <laughs> we is that? Got you a cool hat. Yeah. So it's, it's something that we like oh, to right do. on. I will wear that all the time. Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. But <laughs> before we, before you send it to it, and this is uh, a kind of a, it's a yes or no question. It's kind oh, of, God, <laughs> it's a fun question that we like to yeah. ask guests that we feel like are ready for the question. But uh, have you ever pooped your pants? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me think hard. <laughs> like full on poop, no. You should know. That's no, I yes. mean, like, I guess that's the thing. It's like the shark count. Yeah. Or no. I think. So. I think so. I personally, I think so. I'm on. Because I would assume everybody, everybody on this on this Zoom is at least sharded their pants, right? Either I that, mean, or they're a liar. Either exactly. that, or they're lying. We've had that's people. What I'm saying. Co- we've had guests claim that they have not done that at all. So that's I mean, a lie. That's just that's impossible. A lie, that's right? an absolute yes. lie. Um, <laughs> I've said it once. I'll say it again. There's people who've who've pooped their pants, and then there's people who lie about pooping their pants. Yeah. So I think if if that counts, then I don't think I've ever let a full on load go in my pants. <laughs> I, can, I mean, outside of being a baby, you know, <laughs> like as an adult, no. But I, I'm I'm sure on mo- I, not 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 only am I sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you do that, and and all of a sudden you're. <laughs> You know, you're at work or something, and, and somehow your underpants find its way into the bathroom garbage can, and you're all freaked out when you're in the bathroom taking them for out. For some right? reason, can see your- for some reason, the phrase "full on load" just hit me in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I guess the answer. You know what? I'll just go ahead and answer yes, Lou, because okay. you know what? If you got to dust your pants, right? If you got to dust your underpants when you're out in public and you're not going to be home for a couple hours, then yeah, yes, I have. I'm proud of you. Yeah. All right. right. Well, that is where we're going to end it tonight. Cool. Uh, Matt Money Smith. <laughs> what a great way to I'm sorry. Did I say the wrong thing? It's over. No, no, <laughs> not it. at all. You no, said the best good. thing. That, that's nailed exactly it. You're always, always hoping for a good story, at least. All right. Matt Money Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your time, okay, for guys. rushing through LA traffic, for drinking a beer with us. On the count of three, I need everybody to give me a thank you, Matt. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Gracias. Muchas gracias. Good evening, Matt. Thank you again for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy your weekend. Go Pats. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.